And even if things aren't working out the way that you want them to, you can still lift your hands and say that you're good to me. It's about time because we're going there. Welcome back to another episode of We're Going There. I'm your host, Bianca Juarez Oltoff, and I am so excited. I feel like I say this all the time, but I'm really, really excited because on today's show, we have Anthony Evans Jr. I'm so excited to hear it. Anthony, thank you for coming on the show. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Bianca. When we started, we we hopped on to record mm-hmm. this. And for those that are watching on YouTube, they'll get it. For those that are listening on podcast, I wish you could have seen my eyes the size of saucers because Anthony came on and he said, oh, wait, it's so good to see a familiar face. Now, here's the test. I, I confess this to Priscilla. I confess this to a couple other people. But years ago, years ago, Anthony Evans Jr. was standing at a stoplight in Los Angeles outside of a church. And I saw this amazing man of God who is anointed, sings like like an angel straight from heaven. Amazing man of God, single like a Pringle, don't know if he's ready to mingle. And I decide to go up to this man who I didn't know. I mean, I knew of him. He didn't know who I was. And I went up to him at a streetlight in Los Angeles and I said, hi, are you single? I have a best friend who's single. I pulled up her photo. And it was the first Googleable. I don't know. Uh-huh. It's the first image that I Googled. And she, at, at the time, she was competing in the Olympics. And the Olympics that year was sponsored by Budweiser. Their, mm-hmm. And their ad campaign was red bikinis that had Budweiser on them. And it was a picture that I thrust in front of your face. And I said, what if I'm stumbling this man of God? That is so, so funny. When you said familiar face, I was like, please, Jesus, let it not be the stoplight no, moment. I feel like we've seen each other at other points. I wouldn't Ooh, have. Praise God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That No, I don't. <laughs> That, that is funny, though. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. We are not starting off on that foot. <laughs> I'm going to block that out. <laughs> See, that's the, that's the Lord. That's, that is the Lord. Well, this is your first time on the show, and I just want to say thank you so much. You yes. are a man of many talents. You are a writer. You are a, a worship leader. You are an artist. You are creative. You are an athlete. And so what I love to do is kind of give people like a a sneak peek at the Genesis, the beginning. This season, we are talking about new beginnings and you are a man who has his hands in a lot of different areas. Give us a sneak peek on maybe something that maybe most people wouldn't know. We've seen you on The Voice. Maybe we've read your books. We've listened to your music. Mm -hmm. But as we kick off the, the podcast, what is something that maybe you are learning about yourself or something that God's revealing to you in this season that might feel like a new beginning? Um, that once you, sorry, there's, there's a lot. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the thing that people wouldn't maybe know and that God's revealing to me, those may be two different things, but what God's revealing to me is that there is a, um, when you start to actually value yourself or see yourself the way that he sees you, it creates a whole new reality for you. It, it just, when you start to actually, love yourself. Even even if you want to change a thing, uh, you know, everybody wants to grow and change things. Once you start that, it, 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 what it, what it puts into perpetual motion, you won't believe. Mm. Yeah. So you can tell clearly um, from following you online and, or mm. listening to your music, seeing your career and journey evolve is that you have in, in therapy terms, you've done the work. And every season of the podcast, we bring on a licensed uh, therapist or psychotherapist or psychologist because I really love the tension of both theology and therapy. Of course. A little bit of your past. um, Can you bring us up to speed on, we might know 
we might know you as an artist, we might know you as a writer, but take me a little bit through the journey of like your family, how you started in music, how you started in writing. And I want to kind of bring everyone up to speed on like the now, but for those that maybe aren't familiar with like your Genesis journey, can you take us on from like the beginning? Like where did Anthony kind of start? The beginning is, is, well, the beginning of the music side was when I was 18 years old, my dad decided to send something of me singing to a college in Virginia, Liberty University. He did. I wasn't interested in singing at that level. I just was just saying sometimes. And my parents, I think my mom told me she had a moment where she was like, did, she's talking to my dad. She said, Tony, did we miss something with Anthony? Because we, I was singing around the house and they were like, uh-oh, wait a minute. This is not just like, they they were like, this is not just a guy who sings sometimes. Like he, this could be his thing. And we may have missed it because he looks like a football player. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so um, long story sh- short is that 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 put in again the perpetual motion for me singing at Liberty and then singing with Kirk Franklin after that and then me meeting people there who were like we want you to do your own music that started the journey of writing because at that point I had just sung other people's songs but I had a friend of mine her name is Jenny Owens she's a Christian artist and she's been around for a while she said you can write you just don't know it yet she's mm. like show me your journal and we took the first song I wrote was a page out of my journal that we made rhyme she's like you're a writer. So that's how that started. And then, you know, all these years later, there's 10 albums, two, two of which have been, I'm grateful. They've been like billboard number one gospel albums, which I'm grateful for. And all this, I mean, there's, there's so many, I could go deep in so many different areas, but that's kind of the long story short and how I landed here. Um, there's a part of me that's been doing things on my own for a while, you know, before the, it was, it was cool to be an independent artist. I was an independent artist because I didn't necessarily fit. I wasn't, I wasn't gospel enough and I wasn't contemporary Christian enough. Mm. So there was this lane that I just started doing stuff because I was like, people want me to come and sing. So I'm going to do, I'm not going to stop my career because I'm not, I don't commercially fit. And years later, I, did, I had no idea that that was the auspices and the foundation upon which my whole production side of my career would be built on. Like I produce a lot of our family's corporate live events, me and my sister's tours, my albums. I produce vocals for different movies and TV and film. That all started out of a place of rejection that I landed at this place of having something that I had no idea was being built. So let's start there. That moment, I I feel like there's so much power in rejection. And I think in the the topic of new beginnings and starting again, can you take us on when you talk about like this moment of rejection, what did you do? What was your system, your framework, your, your moving forward, the North Star that helps you kind of rebuild after what felt like perceived rejection? Yeah, there, there's so much power in rejection when you don't give the power away to the rejection. That's when there's power in rejection. So I want to make sure that that's super clear. There are scenarios that will come along in your life that will try to snatch the power of the narrative away from you. And when you don't let that power go, that's when it turns into like something crazy that you didn't imagine could be there. So that I want to just, just definitely start with that because giving away your power narrative, that again, that happens, sorry, just banging this table, giving away your power narrative, that happens when you don't necessarily know your value and you allow people to put the, put the, the, the value on you versus you knowing it. So, mm. you know, so that, that's just huge. Um, but that's where it, it started with me not allowing the, that, those scenarios to take the power. I didn't know how to put words to that back then. I was just like, no, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to figure out what I can be doing without the help of the, the, the machine and all that. And, mm. and years later, again, it just created, I was building equity that I didn't even know. Like, mm just emotional equity, spiritual equity, knowledge, experiential equity. There was so much equity being built that I had no idea was happening. And again, I think there's a, um, 
Behind, but before there's ever any renovation, there's always a demolition, period. In most cases, if you're going to renovate anything, demolition's first. And so the demolition phase, you know, where you're trying to figure things out and make it happen yourself, that can always be like, I want to quit. This is annoying. But once the wins started to happen, the wins internally and the, um, and, and the wins like having number one albums or whatever, th- those are kind of don't really matter. But the wins internally, when those started to happen, it wasn't hard to push through demolition phases in mm. my life. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So in this very full circle moment, you said that you started singing at Liberty. That was kind of like the beginning. And yeah. then just recently, you went back to your alma mater and yeah. you are, are, are there on homecoming weekend. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I don't know how many years ago that was, but that was your, your, a couple weeks your ago. face betrays you. No, no, no. I mean, like when you oh, were a student. Oh, I graduated from college. <laughs> yeah, that was a while ago. <laughs> um, but you also posted something. So it feels very like full circle. So it might have looked like rejection from others post-liberty. It's like you're going back to the embryonic phase of like so much of where it started. But you also posted this on on social media. You said, avoiding hard conversations is literally trading short-term discomfort for long-term dysfunction. Yeah. So you also, I mean, we're here to talk about music and all the things that you're doing, but a friend of mine picked up your book, Faith in Therapy. Yeah. When Faith Meets Therapy. Yeah. When Faith Meets Therapy. Uh Yes. No, no, that's great. When Faith Meets Therapy. And he loved it so much that he said, I need you to get this book because I think like it's going to help you so much. Mm-hmm. I picked it up. I loved it. I thought it was phenomenal. I think mm-hmm. the work that is in there is like so seminal to people really understanding the the beauty and the symbiotic relationship between faith and theology. Where, where, or faith and therapy, forgive me. Mm-hmm. Where did this kind of like introspective journey begin. So a little bit is you are a pastor's kid. You were raised in a Christian home. You were in the music industry. There's so much like competition in industry. There's so much uh, rejection within that. So take Mm -hmm. me on this journey. Like when did this begin? When did you kind of deep dive into health, being self-aware, really wrestling through therapy and what that does to your faith? Can you take us on that journey? Yeah. It began when I just realized I don't have all these... like. For instance, I, I can read "Be Anxious for Nothing," but I need actual tips and tools how to how to not be anxious. Like I can't just read things and understand it. I mentioned this in the book. Like in, in ninth grade, in algebra class, I needed tutoring. I was sitting in that class, and there was a book of truths and a book of formulas, and my teacher working out the formulas on the on the board, and I was lost. I had my hand up the whole class, and she finally said, "Anthony, in order for you not to fail this class, you're going to need extra help." Because I, I know that the book and the formulas are here and I'm teaching you, but you 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 need help. And I had to admit to myself, mm. I need help or I'm going to fail. That's what therapy was for me. I have a book of truths. I have formulas. I have verses in this book that are true, but I needed a tutor. I, and and mm. I had my dad preaching to me. I had the best teacher in the world <laughs> writing on the board and showing me how it works out. But I needed tutoring. So I had to admit to myself that I needed that in order to be better and more whole myself and that's where it came into me. But then I had to deal with all the th- things that were built inside of me um, due to due to the, how I grew up. That wasn't my parents. It was just like church, like pray mm-hmm. harder, be, you know, yep. that, that whole thing. And sometimes sometimes you, you have to do some work along with that. It's a, the prayer about not being anxious is beautiful, but there may be some times you have to add to that. And there is mm-hmm. something that you have to do. And in the, in the case of faith and therapy, what has been come, become super clear to me is when you do what you can, God will do what you cannot. And sometimes you have to push into what else can I do 
to be to show I'm serious about this. And God has magnified the efforts as it relates to therapy. And I would, you know, it's it's very uh, it's hard to find that person. But once you find that person that's good for you as a therapist, I'm like. I'm I'm just a proponent because it saved my soul, really. Mm. I'm always encouraging people, people from uh, church or my friends or community. It's like finding the right therapist is like dating. You might yeah. not get it right on the first time, but you find the one that you can connect with and you can be vulnerable with and they can really help you along in the journey. Uh, would you say that, that this deep dive of understanding faith and where it connects with therapy, do you think that it, you're seeing it manifest in your and I have to be careful with this word manifest. I'm not talking about this woo-woo, new age, crystals, yeah, yeah. all that trash. Where do you see it revealed in your writing? Everywhere. This whole new album, the, the songs that, that that I'm released already, even if, and the songs that are coming, they're all, the album's called Revive. And the, and the mm-hmm. reason why the new album's called Revive is because this whole scenario has shown me how God can take dead things and revive them when you do what you can. Whether it's you feel emotionally dead or spiritually dead or physically there's something going on, like God can take those scenarios when you do what you can and he will revive them. So it, mm. it, it's all one big thing to me, whether we're talking about the book or music or tours or the opportunities I have in Los, Los Angeles, it's all coming from the same place. Mm. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, this is literally, I'm just asking, I'm not trying to lead you a certain way, but would you say that like the healthier that you got the better decisions that you made in what you were saying yes to both inside and outside of the church? Yes. The healthier that I got was, was when I, my value went up it, it, for me internally. And I, I mean that not in a cocky way and not in a prideful way. It's just, I've done the work. I God, I'm, it's becoming clear. Like the the fearfully and wonderfully made thing is becoming clear to me, and your value goes up. And once you once you have a solid view on what what you're worth as a child of God, then you don't you you don't put yourself on sale. You you don't allow yourself to be in scenarios that put a for sale sign on you. Whether it's the wrong company, the the wrong opportunities, the wrong job, like you you are like I'm not doing that because I am super clear on on how I'm made. So it, that changes and then that changes everything. The clientele in your life changes when you don't put yourself on sale. Come People on. Only who can afford it? Come on, this is a hashtag for this show. This episode is hashtag I'm expensive. <laughs> There is no discounts for this episode with no Anthony Evans Jr. I'm not Jr. mad at Come no on. discounts. I'm not uh, mad at no uh, discounts. Like that, that to me is, is super no discounts. Oh, I am call. here for this. I'm here for this. Okay. So people within the Christian world, they would know your, your music and maybe even your books. But then you had a wonderful opportunity to step into The Voice. Talk to me about oh, like, yes. how did this happen? Did you ever, did you have to pause? We're talking about your value, your worth. Were you talking about maybe, it, were you insecure? Did you feel like this opportunity was the right? But take yeah. me through this. Well, first because of all, this, this is, is fascinating. years ago. This is, this is 12 years ago, just so everybody knows. I, I love that. It, I mean, I love that it comes up because it was a random moment, like very left of center for my life. But- it was a, a, I got, I was in that transition between you're not gospel enough. You're not contemporary Christian enough. And my label business-wise had to drop me. So I was figuring out what I was doing next. And I got a call about this new show on NBC and the new show had, it hadn't come on yet. And they were like, it sounded like a, I was talking to a used car salesman. They were like, it's going to be the biggest <laughs> show on TV. And I was like, whatever. Cause I had opportunity. I had, I couldn't cancel my whole life. 
So I told them no for season one. I couldn't go. Then they called me back to do season two. And at that point, I saw that they weren't, they weren't, that wasn't a used car salesman. <laughs> and I was in between things. So I was like, well, it's not going to hurt anything. And I remember asking my dad about it, being like, should I do this? Because it felt wrong. He was like, as long as you don't compromise your faith, have a great time. And also, you need to remember, you are not salt of the shaker. You're salt of the earth. Like, go. Like, you're not supposed Ooh. to just be inside of the church all the time. Like, that's not, that, that, that's pointless. Um, so I went and it changed that the moment on the show, you know, um, me, I was on team Christina and got the battle rounds. I went home. I mean, we sat in that room for what felt like 10 minutes, her deciding in the audience yelling. It was crazy, but you know, they had to edit that down. But then afterwards I got a phone call like, Hey, Anthony, these are, we're the producers, you know, y'all remember us. Yes. And they said, we just changed the rules of the show because of you. Like now there's going to be something called steals on this show because of what just happened on that stage. So, but Beyond that, the opportunities that came that nobody would know, mm. the, the work I've done because of that moment, mm. it, it opened my whole world up to people I would not be interacting with otherwise and great relationships I wouldn't have otherwise. So you have been in and on this journey for quite a while. And yeah. I think that people can look at some of those highs and lows, the peaks and the valleys, uh, and, and maybe feel like, well, how do I apply that to my life? So for somebody's out there that might feel like there's been a couple of closed doors or they're mm -hmm. on the they're on the verge of like, do I step out of like this Christian opportunity to step into something that's a little bit more secular? And I use that word loosely, not like secular is bad, right. but just right, something right, right, outside right, the right. church. What are what are some parameters? What's some wisdom? I mean, not all of us have Tony Evans as a daddy that we can call on speed dial. So you use this phrase, you didn't uh, you didn't feel okay about it, or you felt was it an ick? Why yeah, did you want to felt, do the voice? It felt weird because it was outside of the norm for me. It felt like I was, am I, am I wrong for going into a general market venue to do something? You know what I mean? That's what it felt like to me. And I, I feel like the big thing that you're saying right now is that as, when you're asked to compromise your faith, that's one thing. But to go out and to be in the world and not of it, that's that's what you're supposed to be doing. Mm. So if I, I they me going to the voice wasn't bad. Me singing some ratchet song because now I got to do R&B music on the voice. That, that's different because it makes confusing. So that to me is the problem. But anybody, I'm like, man, what can make your reach as it relates to your faith broader? That's huh. period. Do that. that without, if it doesn't compromise your faith, then do it. So, okay. So, um, in the process, the evaluation of you saying like, yes, to stepping into this, and this could be any, it could be your next project. It's not even just this, the, the voice opportunity. It's a decade ago, but for someone who's like wrestling through this, is there like three things or a tip of wisdom or what's the barometer? Like, when do you feel released to say yes to stepping into the new? When the, when the, when the new and the yes is accompanied by peace, that's when you step into it. Mm. If the peace starts to go, then that that's a clear sign to me. That's like God knocking on my heart going, nope, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how big the spotlight is. It doesn't matter how big the opportunity. It doesn't matter who else is on the bill. That peace inside of you that's going is me saying, don't do it. Like if he's going to keep us in perfect peace and a scenario is not keeping us in perfect peace, then that scenario is not for you. Okay. This is wisdom. Someone is being set free today. This is free therapy right here on We're Going There. Thank you for that. That's what we're going to hold on to. Yeah. Um, hashtag I'm expensive and uh, oh, hashtag no, dad no wisdom. Dis no discounts. Let's, let's do no discounts <laughs> instead of I'm expensive. But you want to, okay, we will do that for you, but my hashtag okay. will be I'm expensive. Okay, okay, got it, got it. Okay. I am expensive. There is no discounts. There's no blue light specials. Nope. There's no clearance tag on this homegirl. Nope, nope, yeah. nope.
Okay. Um, before we transition off and, and, and you go out and continue to shake your salt in the world, not the salt shaker, yeah. do me a favor. You have a new album that's out and it's Revive. And I'm getting like literally everything is so good about what you're producing in the season. It just feels fresh. It feels very new. Mm-hmm. It feels very you. But again, it just feels God breathed. Um, nice, even yeah. if is uh, the newest song. Talk to me a little bit about that writing journey. And then for somebody that is in this new beginning stage without knowing the outcome, because we can look back at the last 10 years of your life and be like, oh, uh, books came out of this and songs mm-hmm. came out of this and opportunities came out of this decision. But for somebody that's kind of like, well, I don't know what I'm guaranteed to take me on the writing journey of even if, and what encouragement would you give listeners that just don't know the future? That's what even if is there, there's all the things you mentioned, like the books and the opportunities and all that stuff. But also there was our mom passing away and us praying with all of our souls Mm. that she wouldn't. So that was also an outcome. And that, that was an outcome after 50 years of faithful ministry and all this stuff. And her Mm. and my dad were about to, she would slow down and travel the world. So that also happened. So even if, was literally the hardest song I've ever written. And and actually I, I wrote it and then played it for my mentor and big brother, Kirk Franklin. And he goes, nope, you can write deeper than that. So I went back and rewrote it. And so I started the song by saying, I'm being honest. This is the hardest song my heart has ever had to sing. That's yeah. what I said, because I was trying to make it flowery. He was like, no, don't do that. So that this song is written specifically for me. It was written as related to the loss of my mother, but it's broad. Like what, what is that thing in your life that you have to make a decision to worship in spite of God, not doing what you're asking? What mm-hmm. is that? And the, the, it's, it's an encouragement to all of us that even if we don't get another reason, we're going to continue to worship. We're going to continue to say he's good in spite of the circumstances around us. And that was a decision I had to make with the loss of my mom. I'm the emotional one in my family. I'm the one who's a little off. Like the preacher's kid that might not make it is me. <laughs> Or growing up, especially like emotional issues. So I, to make that decision was real. And I think what people mm. feel when they hear the song is like, oh, this wasn't just written to, to have like some Christian song. Like this was, I mean, like serious, like dead serious mm. when I wrote it. So that's my encouragement that there will be times where it unfolds and becomes this beautiful thing, but there will be in times where it, 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 it will unfold into you having to realize that Romans 8.28 is real. Like somehow God's going to work this together for good. Mm. Or Philippians 1.6 is real. That he'll work, that, um, uh, oh my gosh, that <laughs> that's so funny that I just forgot my favorite verse in the Bible. <laughs> that you can be confident in this, that he's going to be, who began a good work is going to be faithful to complete it. There are times where it doesn't feel like that. And even if things aren't working out the way that you want them to, you can still lift your hands and say that you're good to me. Mm. That's where that's where that song and that's the whole album is like that kind of stuff. Mm. I'm listening to you and I'm processing and this is like the hashtag no discounts on the calling. Yeah. We know that our value no no discounts but and listening to you and all that you have gone through, processed, worked through publicly and privately. Mm-hmm. I'm just grateful because all your art comes at a cost. And yeah. that's expensive. And so thank you for paving a way lyrically, musically, spiritually for people to encounter greater depths in their faith mm-hmm. and even through the help of therapy. I gra- I'm grateful for your music. I'm grateful for how we get to see God in new and different ways. I appreciate you. I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you for being on the show. And I pray that God continue to give you new words, um, whether written or sung, that transform hearts, minds, lives, and souls. Anthony Evans Jr., I appreciate you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
Absolutely. For those that want more information on Anthony Evans Jr., you can click the link in the show notes. You can go to his website, follow along on social media, download the music, and of course, tag him and show him some love for the work, the labor of music that he's putting out there as well as books. Friends, thank you for listening to this episode. And if you want more content, go ahead and subscribe on any of your favorite platforms. Otherwise, we will catch you next week. Love you, fam. 